this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me tonight to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we've started talking about the name of Jesus and everything that Jesus did while he was on earth and everything that Jesus overcame while he was earth, and in the three days that he was in the belly of the earth, hell, everything that he overcame is now invested in his name. Everything. It's as if Jesus said, when you use my name, it's as if you stamp the stamp of victory, the stamp of approval on it. Now, last week we talked about the key for every one of us is learning to have a revelation of the name of Jesus. We're going to see some scriptures that will talk about it tonight. But let me give you a little thought on, on kind of how I think when we get a revelation of the name of Jesus, how it will shape you. If I was to stand here tonight and I was to mention people's name, every one of us in this room, when I said that person's name, you would get an image of them in your mind. Actually, sometimes when you say a person's name, you can hear their voice. Think about this right here. President Obama. We'll picture his voice. We'll picture him right. I can get a picture of him. I can hear his voice. Um, Robin Williams, the actor. I get an image just when I say that name. Some of you may not know Billy Graham, the, 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 the minister of the evangelist, Billy Graham. I can see Billy Graham's face. A lot of you aren't old enough for this, but the years ago there was a guy named Paul Harvey. And when Paul Harvey, he would say, and this is the rest of the story. Well, I never saw Paul Harvey's face, but I could always distinguish his voice. Why am I telling us this? Well, this is one of the ways we get a revelation of the name of Jesus. Well, how does that happen? Well, I believe when you read the Word of God, the Word of God will start talking about who Jesus is and what all he's done. And even though we may have never seen Jesus physically, Man, we can begin to get a revelation of his name. And then the other great way you get a revelation of his name is you get in his presence. You just hang out with him. Let me give you an illustration of that real quick. When Shelly calls me on the phone, I don't say, who is this? You know why? The minute I pick up the phone, I recognize her voice. When my mom calls me to this day, I don't say, who is this? No, I recognize her voice. Why does that happen? It's because we've spent time with people. And you get to know their voice. It's interesting to me when little babies are born here in the church that a lot of times their mom and dad will bring them up here after the services and I can be standing right here and I can start talking and those little babies, it's almost like their little heads will spin and they'll look at me. And one of the mamas said, Pastor, she's heard your voice for nine months. And I thought, that is true. Bless her heart, having to hear this old twang, but it is what it is. So, this is how we get a revelation of the name of Jesus. Now, let's start tonight in Ephesians 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus that you got born again, and your love or your outpouring of love for the saints. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. I do not cease to give thanks to you, 
This was the apostle. I don't, I don't cease to give thanks to you. It's always I'm, I'm giving thanks for you out of my mouth. And I'm making mention you of you in my prayers. One of the greatest things that can happen to every one of us in our lives is when we learn to pray for other people. So often our prayer life is just about me, 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 me. But here the Apostle Paul said, Man, I never stop giving thanks for you, and I'm praying for you. So what was the Apostle Paul praying for us for? Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So Paul was praying for these saints at Ephesus, and he said, I want you to get a fresh insight of the wisdom of God and of the knowledge of God. And when you start getting the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God, there will become a revelation of God. When you hear about God's wisdom and God's knowledge, something starts happening on the inside. We start getting insight of who Father God, also even a perception of Father God. This was part of the Apostle Paul's prayer. Keep reading what it says. Verse 18, and this was his prayer. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Some translations say, the eyes of your heart be enlightened. In other words, you start getting a clear picture of God and what God desires for us. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you may know and understand the calling God has for you. This was Paul's prayer. But he didn't stop there. He said also the riches and the inheritance that he's given us as the saints. So many times in our life, We don't know what the riches of God are. We don't know what our inheritance is. We don't even know what our calling was. But the Apostle Paul right here, he was praying this. This is important. Pray this over yourself. You can go right here in this book and start right there and just begin to say, Father God, I ask you today to give me wisdom. Give me knowledge today. Give me a revelation of who you are. I pray today, Father God, that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened today. I thank you today, Father God, that you're showing my calling, you're showing me your riches, and you're showing me the inheritance. Now, a nugget again on the side of that. Pray that over your kids. Pray that over your family members. If you have loved ones that aren't saved, begin to pray that the eyes of their understanding are enlightened. I can do that? Absolutely. We need to take advantage of this. We need to sit there day by day and read this. But he didn't stop there. And then he goes on to say, this was his prayer. And what is the exceeding greatness, not just greatness, but the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? I want to know what his power is toward me as a believer. This was Paul's prayer, that we would know the power of God. According to the working 
of his mighty power, of God's mighty power, not my mighty power. And then he keeps going in verse 20. Which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now when God seated Jesus at the right hand in heavenly places, this was a picture of ultimate victory and authority. He's above everything. And note it said, he's seated. You don't sit down until the job's done. Jesus is seated. Not only did he did the job, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's a done deal. This was Paul's prayer. Verse 21. Jesus is seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So we go back and you can break that down right there. Every ruler, every authority, every power, every leader, anything that has a name, Jesus' name is above it. Where's it good at? Finish reading verse 21 there. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So as we go through this thing called life, right now in this world where we exist, Jesus' name is supreme. But also, when we get to a thing called eternity in heaven, man, he's not going to lose his name at all. It's, it's forever the name above all. This is where it gets really good in this passage. Verse 22. And God, he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. To the church. Now, Many translations say, for the church, and another one says, for the benefit of the church. There was a huge price that was paid for the church. Huge. So what is the church? Look at the end and it'll tell us. Which is his body. What's his body? The church is his body. And so when we say the name of Jesus is above every name, and it's for the church, the benefit of the church, it wasn't for this building. It wasn't for this, this sanctuary, this auditorium. When he says this about the church, you know who he's talking to? Us. The church is me and you. And he said, I've given you all this. Jesus, he paid such a price for the church that he said in Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell won't prevail against the rich. Now, there you go. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And you get Jesus' stamp of approval on that. So we get an understanding right there, just through the word of God, that when I start speaking the name of Jesus, these principalities, these powers, they take note of the name of Jesus. They've got an image of Jesus. You know why? He kicked their rear, and he kicked it really good. He bruised the devil's head. He spoiled principalities. So when you start using the name of Jesus, and the devil and the demons, they understand when you have a revelation of the name. They understand. That one knows when they're praying in the name of Jesus what's going to happen. And they take notice. It gets their attention. Let's go a little farther. I'm going to read in Luke chapter number 9 to start with. And then after Luke number 9, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. Now, as you're turning to Luke 9, 
a couple weeks ago when we took the, the uh, communion elements. We partook of the communion elements. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul said that many of you have partaken of the communion elements in an unworthy manner. You didn't rightly discern the Lord's body. Remember we talked about that. I believe we can use the name of Jesus in an unworthy manner or an improper manner. And the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about ways we can use it in, a, in an improper manner. One of the ways is, is the name of Jesus isn't, isn't a magic wand. It's, it's not a lucky charm. The name of Jesus is Him Himself. So when we speak the name of Jesus, it really needs to be done with, with great honor. And part of that is, man, I, I reverence that name. I'm going to get over that in a couple of weeks even more in detail. Now, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Then he, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together, and Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons, over hell's work, and to cure diseases. Interesting. Jesus gave these 12 disciples all this. How could Jesus do that? It was his the gift. He's the one that, that, that took care of all these demonic forces. So he said, I'm going to give it to them. Now, this is leadership 101 right here. When you look at this, that Jesus himself, he gave them authority. He empowered the disciples. And so when Jesus gave them authority over all demons, and you can under, underline that word all, Jesus literally gave them the power of attorney to use his name. He said, here you go, fellas. Verse 2. He sent them, the twelve disciples, to preach the kingdom of God. We are assigned to do business as the authorized representatives of the Lord Jesus right here on earth. And what else did he send them to do? To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And when I read about healing the sick, we, we can expect to see spiritual breakthrough. We should expect this. But to the degree that we receive and apply the authority is the way we're going to get it. I've got to get where I can receive what Jesus did for me. So we go back and we look at this. The name of Jesus, it's very clear right here with these disciples, was above demonic entities, and it was above sickness and disease. In verse number 1, he said, to cure disease, and in verse number 2, to heal the sick. This was the Lord's desire. Now, a lot of people will say, stop right there. That was just for those 12. Turn over to Luke 10. Let's go a little farther. Now, I want you to see this biblically so you go out of here tonight and you understand it's for every one of us. I, I got to get back into faith in these areas. And I believe the church as a whole, we all do. That if Jesus said right there, listen, boys, go preach the word. Heal the sick and cure the disease in my name. we got to get back in faith and start believing those things. And I say we because even in my own life, just got to believe God. And that was one of our prayers last night with the, the Tuesday night prayer team. 
And we just begin to pray down here. And we said, Lord, let us get back over into faith and believe that you're the healer. You're the God who still heals in the name. Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned, and the actual number is 72. Then the 72 returned with joy. Not the 12, but the 72. Why did they return with joy? Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The name of Jesus, again, signifies his authority. The demons are even where they know they have to obey us in your name. In that verse, just think for a minute. If the demons were subject to them in his name, that tells me that these 72 spoke in the name of Jesus. They addressed the devils in the name of Jesus. Me and you have to learn this right here. Too many times, I think, in our lives, we put up with things of the enemy and we don't have to. And he's making a point here. Verse number 18. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now there's two ways you can look at this. When Jesus said, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning, in, in one sense he saw in their, ministry, in their ministry the present and the ultimate victory over the devil right now in their ministry. That's one way you can look at it. In other words, Jesus is sitting there watching and he's hearing these 72 that understand their power and authority they have in the name of Jesus. And when they start speaking, it's like when Jesus spoke over him too. That's one way to look at it. The other way is this, that some believe that this was a warning to these 72. Don't get arrogant. Don't get prideful. Don't start getting in the back of your mind. I'm the man of faith. I'm the man of power. Look at me. Look at me. Because if you start doing that, you can very well end up just like the devil because that's what happened to him. You can look at it either way. Verse number 19. Behold or look. I give you the authority to trample on serpents. Jesus said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents. The serpents that's referenced there is the devil. How do we know that? Well, if we went back to Genesis 3, verse 1, it said the serpent was more crafty than anyone of the field. So the serpent here is talking about the devil. The scorpions here are talking about the fallen angels. Just a reference. And so, once again, Jesus himself makes a great point. He said, I give you, and it was his to give, You power, authority, dominion over the devil and all the demons. You could have shouted amen. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, a lot will say, well, I see once again, he gave it to the 12 and he gave it to the 72. I I believe you'll see the pattern here in a minute. He gave it to all of us. So the question that arises to me when I read that is, if Jesus gave me all that authority, what am I going to do with it? Once again, it does me no good to have authority and not use it. 
I remember growing up that my dad would, he would catch me and he'd say, you need to go down and, and get your brother and tell him it's time to eat. And I could walk down there and I'd say, Dave, dad said it's, or I could say, it's time to come and eat. And he would say, shut up, get out of here, throw a ball at me or something. But when I said, dad said it's time to come and eat, just that one word, dad. I mean, he didn't argue, he didn't do nothing, he got up. And you know, being a little brother, I was like, yeah, yeah, get up. But see, even the same with the Lord Jesus, that I take that authority that he gave me, and it isn't me, it's not you. If I come in my own mind, it would be very similar to with my brother, but even worse. You're not going to get any results. But when I understand the authority that Jesus gave me, and I learn to start speaking in that name, and not only do I speak that name, I believe when I speak that name, things are going to be happening. I give you power, authority, tread upon serpent and scorpion, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice that these demonic forces have to obey you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he's telling us here, the greatest joy you should have is that your name is registered in heaven. Your greatest joy isn't for you to walk around, Woo, we've been casting out devils. Look at No. My greatest accomplishment through Jesus Christ is I'm going to heaven. Now, this was just a warning here, I believe, to keep us balanced. Mark chapter 16. Let's go to another one. So we've seen tonight, Jesus gave the, the disciples, the 12, a power and authority. He gave these 72 power and authority. Let's pick up in Mark 16, verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11, not 12, 11. Where'd that one go? Well, it was Judas Iscariot and... He committed suicide, so he's no longer part of the twelve. And as they sat at the table, these eleven disciples, Jesus rebuked their unbelief. Now get this. Jesus loved these guys. He did life with them for three years. And he strolls in and he rebukes them. Because of their unbelief. You know what he rebukes them for? Their lack of faith. It's if Jesus was saying, come on, boys. You hung out with me these three years. You got to get this. And Jesus didn't do this ugly. He wasn't mean about it. But I believe that's what he's saying to us again tonight. Come on, guys. Come on. So he rebukes their unbelief. And their hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. They didn't believe what Jesus told them. Remember for those three years he said, Boys, the day's coming that I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise. They didn't believe it. That's where this is. The point of that is, is Jesus saying, Just as I told you the word about me dying and raising from the dead, everything else I've told you, it's true. Get a hold of it. Verse 15. And he said to them, the leaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every person. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. Now he's warning them there, there's some of them going to believe and there's some of them not going to believe. Don't let it rock you. 
You just preach the gospel. Your job isn't to save them. That's my job. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. This didn't say anything about those 11. It said these signs will follow those who believe. Who are those ones who believe? The ones that 11 went and preached to and they got them born again. And so these ones that are getting born again through these 11, he said, these signs will follow you. Get this. In my name, they, the believers, will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they, they will drink anything deadly. will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we jump here again, and we can review every bit of it. We go from the 12 to the 72, to now there's literally billions of believers around the world that have this same power. The same power that Jesus says, I'm going to give you, he'll give you. Keep reading, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. When I read this passage right here, this was like Jesus' farewell address. Don't you believe that on Jesus' farewell address, he would want to leave you with maybe the greatest thing he could? In my name. In my name. In my name. And so as if Jesus would say, come on, let's get a revelation of the name. And so Jesus tells them all this. And then it says that he ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he tells them all this. And then all of a sudden, hosta lasagna, I'm out of here. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus has done everything he's going to do. And he said, here you go, here you go, here you go. Here's my name, use it. And it ends in verse 20. And they, the believers, went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And he confirmed the word of God through accompanying signs. So you begin to get the jest here. We're to use the name of Jesus. It's part of our spiritual inheritance. It's part of our riches. Actually, it's a part of every part of our being as a Christian. In Him I live and move and have my being. And my address in everything I do has got to start being in the name of Jesus. Now I want to go to one more verse tonight. Go to one more passage. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And as we turn here, I just want you to see how these disciples got a revelation of the name of Jesus. Because here in Acts 3, you're going to see this story about Peter and John. Peter and John were two of the eleven that Jesus had just previously rebuked and said, come on boys, get it together. And evidently, they got a hold of what Jesus did. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's nine in the morning. They're on their way to church to pray. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So every day at 9 o'clock, this guy who was born lame from the womb 
they would take him and they would lay him in front of this gate and they would hope that all these people coming and going to church would give him something. Verse 3. Who seen Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So get this. Here's this layman and he said, hey boys, you got some change you can spare? And Peter with John says, hey, hey, look at us. Now Peter to me right here, he gets real bold with the name of Jesus. Just the boldness comes on him and he says, look at us. Keep reading, verse 4, 5. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have with me right now, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When I read this, you see the use of another person's names to declare legal right is called the power of attorney. This privileged power is for me and you that Jesus delegated to us. Exact same thing. Jesus didn't say in any ways, try to figure out what's going on. What you need to do is, is de- determine why this guy isn't walking. Well, tell me what's all wrong with you today, buddy. He didn't tell him to do none of that. He just said, you just speak in the name of Jesus. So if I was to read the rest of this, I'm going to paraphrase it. It said the man, they yanked him up, and he began running and walking and leaping and praising God. Something happened just because their boldness with the name of Jesus. So throughout the city, all of a sudden, Peter and John's fame rises, and people are saying, man, these dudes got a power that we've never seen before. How did this all happen? And look at Peter's response in verse 16. And he said, and his name, get this, get this real close, real real, real good right here. And he said, in his name, through faith in his name. It's one thing to speak the name of Jesus. It's another thing to speak the name of Jesus with faith. That if I speak the name of Jesus and I don't believe it's going to work, you know what? It's not going to work. Oh, I hope this works. No, there's got to come that element of faith in every one of us. And that comes from reading the scriptures, just passages like this. And you hear all the stuff through the word of God. And before long, I start getting a revelation of that name. That when I speak the name of Jesus, something's going to happen. Just as Peter and John got a hold of it. Thank you for clarifying that, Lord. I I begin to see some things in Scripture, even with Jesus, that I haven't always seen before. And one of the things I started looking at, that, and I'm going to be careful to say always, the majority of the times that I read about in the Bible, when Jesus would, uh, when he would speak, toward anyone that was full of the devil, demonic entities, junk like that, he would command those devils in the name of Jesus. He would say, I rebuke you. Loose him and let him go. 
And it was very similar right here to what Peter and Paul or Peter and John did. Right here. They didn't say, Oh, Father God, I ask you to come down in the name of Jesus. Peter knew who he was in Christ. And so all he did is he literally commanded in the name of Jesus. And I began to look at that in my life and I thought, something happens when you command. When you command, you know that there's authority behind you. You're not going to command unless you know, I got the oomph behind me. And Peter knew that. And so these last few days, this is what I've been saying to the Lord. Give me a revelation of that, Lord. Let that rise up in me. Let it rise up on the inside of me. Not to be ugly toward people. Listen, when we pray for people, anytime it's a demonic activity, it's not the person, it's the devil inside of that person. I'm speaking to the devil. You know, in the name of Jesus, loose him and let him go. I've said to people before in line, shut up in the name of Jesus. And people say, Golly, Pastor told Betty to shut up. No, I didn't tell Betty to shut up. I told that stupid devil, okay? So we got to understand those things biblically. Let, why don't you stand up, and we're going to end with this tonight. I, I believe, you know, that we're to lay hands on the sick, according to Mark 16. We're going to do that tonight. If any of you have sickness and disease, we're going to lay hands on you tonight in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to pray a courtesy prayer. Father God bless you. We're not going to do that. We're going to believe God. We're going to get over into faith, and we're going to believe God. And you're going to believe God that you're going to receive it. And we're just going to be biblical and release that. But one of the things I've gotten today, and, and Shelly came home last night and said the Tuesday night women's Bible study, they, they got over onto some generational stuff last night. And that stuff's rugged. Generational stuff is. Generational iniquities. I've studied it, and I believe I'm going to have to teach on it again. But even in my own life, I had some generational iniquities. And what a generational iniquity means is you have the tendency, tendency to lean in that direction. And it may be a bad direction. What I mean by that is there's something that's handed down from the fathers to the children to the third and the fourth generations. That's found in Exodus 20. But when you look at those things in my own life, the generational iniquity, I had a grandfather that was eaten up with alcohol. Actually, he died in his 50s of alcohol. I come strolling along years later, 12 years old. Man, I start drinking and it starts wearing me out. And I would hear people say this to me. You look like your grandpa. And the older I got, they'd say, and you act like your grandpa. I begin to see the, the generational iniquities, the very tendencies that he had, they were on me. The name of Jesus is above generational iniquities. You start speaking in the name of Jesus over that junk. And you say, uh-uh. In the name of devil, I break your assignment in my life right now in the name of Jesus. And I know that's for many of you in here. Don't put up with that stuff. And sometimes the things happen in our lives that were outside of our control, but it's real. It's real. The Bible addresses us and says that we are to repent for the sins of our fathers. And we look and say, that's not fair. But yet God says, if you'll repent for those generational iniquities that occurred with our fathers and our grandfathers to the third and fourth generation, that's the starting point to break it. So I said, Father God, I repent my, for my grandfather, Jesse. And in the name of Jesus, I thank you that alcohol is broken 
And woo, this boy's free because of it. In the name of Jesus. Let me pray and we're going to let you go home. Father God, we love you tonight. And woo, Lord Jesus, we heed the very things you told throughout the scriptures. The authority and the power. Lord, I pray right now for every one of us in this room that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened in this. And Father God, give us wisdom and revelation and knowledge in these areas, Father, that we become powerful agents of yours right here on earth. And Lord, we say boldly right now, you get the glory and the honor. It's not through us, it's through you. And so we exalt the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, right now, that as we pray for one tonight in the name of Jesus, you will confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.